You're listening to the Legend Vest Podcast for Entrepreneurs. Whether you're just getting started or been in business for many years, we take a deep dive into what it takes to truly become successful. It's time to level up your business and your personal life. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jameson and Courtney Gap. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Legend Best Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Gavin. So today is a really special episode. Most of you are aware that I recently spoke on a panel at an event called Women in Power X here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I'm pleased to announce you guys that the full recording of my panel is now available. And as a gift to you, I'm giving you access to that video here on today's podcast. In addition, the video will also be available on our YouTube page as well. So if you want to see me in action, that's the best place to go. In that panel, we talked about launching and scaling your business. So not just only starting the business, but how to take your business to the next level. Because I know that there's many of us who've actually already started businesses but now we're ready to grow and we're ready to scale and build that empire. So this is definitely the episode for you. Here it is and enjoy. Welcome this next panel to the stage and learn how these women were able to successfully scale their ideas to share what worked and what didn't work. And you have to pay attention so that you're able to take away these gems and these tools so you can implement them for later. And so now I'm gonna introduce our moderator, she's so fabulous, Joan, founder of Business Startup and Marketing Inc. and JWG Publishing House to the stage along with her panel of fabulous ladies here. Please give it up for them, thank you. Thank you, thank you everyone. All right, so I'm so glad to be here and I'm glad everybody's happy to be here, right? Yes. Awesome, awesome. So as you heard earlier, my name is Joan Wright-Good and I am the CEO and founder of Business Startup and Marketing Solutions. And I like to say that we are the entrepreneur's first responder. So we come in and we add life to your dead brand and we take you from zero, from idea, to multiple streams of income. And we also have a publishing company, JWG Publishing House. And what we do is that we take anyone with a story, an experience, or an idea to best-selling status. So that's what we do. And with me here today is um, my panel. And we're going to be chopping it up. Uh, we're going to be talking about launching, growing, and scaling your business. Um, so for the next few moments, I want you guys to sit back, to take notes, um, if you have questions, I'm sure we can answer questions, correct? Absolutely. And I'll also be in the back if you have questions for me. So as we know, like humans, humans grow. So when you have businesses, they're supposed to do what? Grow, grow right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but one of the problems that most entrepreneurs have is that they're great visionaries. They get ideas, but they don't know what to do next. And for those who know what to do next, they hit a pivot and then they don't know where else to go. And so they don't understand that there are three phases to a business. There is the infancy stage, there is the teenage or adolescent stage, and then there's the mature stage. But no business starts at the mature stage. Every business starts somewhere. So you usually have to look at the mature level where you want to go 
and then work your way backwards. And so today I'm going to just turn the mic over and have my panelists introduce themselves, say what it is that they do, and in between questions, we're going to be throwing out points on how you can launch, grow, and scale your business. So we'll start at my farthest left. Hi everyone, my name is Courtney Gavin. I'm the co-founder of LegendVest. We're the ultimate resource for entrepreneurs. Prior to starting LegendVest, my husband and I, Jameson, started a waste removal company. And within five years, we grew that to seven figures and sold it to the second largest waste hauler in the world. And so now what I do is I give back to entrepreneurs like you and teach you everything that I know about business. Somebody say scale. Scale. Yes. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name's Adi Arzini and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Teamy Blends, which is a lifestyle brand that creates wellness and skincare products inspired by the health benefits of tea. Yes. Hello everyone, I'm Johanna Clementson. I'm a cybersecurity consultant with Pendleton Solutions. It's a small women-owned cybersecurity company. And oh, we I have a mic. <laughs> My name is Chanel Rivera. I'm the CEO and founder of Beauty and Hustle. And what I do is help women find strategies that work to scale their business to six and seven figures without burning out and getting back to the basics and having dinner again and enjoying time at home. Awesome. Awesome. Give them a round of applause. All right, so one of the first things for me with scaling um, is that I do regular SWOT analysis. Everybody knows what a SWOT analysis is, right? You, you measure your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But what a lot of people do is that they'll do that at the beginning of the business, but then they don't ever do it again. And in growing, every day you have, you're growing extra, your hair grows, you know, your skin grows, babies grow. So in growing, you always have to make sure that you're doing that SWOT analysis over and over and over again. Um, in doing your SWOT analysis, it helps your digital geography. And what do I mean by this? When you do your SWOT analysis, you have to choose your biggest strengths and you have to make sure that the market that you're in, you find a way to get in front of them. So I am going to pose this very first question to Adi. All right, the question says, it is said that 20% of small businesses fail in the first year, 30% fail in the second year, and 50% fail in the first five years. What do you think is the contributing factor for this failing rate? That's a really good question and has a ton of different answers. But one of the things that I see in my own community in the Tampa Bay area is that people have an idea, they start working on it, they start getting some traction, which is really good. But the number one question that I hear on podcasts and events is, how do I start a business? How do I get, how do I get it going? And that's actually the wrong question. Yes. The right question is, how do I keep my business going because really anyone can start a business but how do you handle employees how do you do profit and loss analysis how do you make sure that your numbers grow month after month so i think that entrepreneurs they really focus more on how do i start the business instead of how do i keep it growing and a contributing factor to that is not really seeing the numbers and entrepreneurs sometimes, they don't look strategically at the numbers, and the numbers are going to help you grow. So if you're finding something that is working in your business, you have to see how you can 
double down on whatever that aspect of that that is working and a lot of entrepreneurs don't do that they get excited they had a really good month and then they forget and then the next month they have a really bad month so you have to really keep your foot on the gas pedal and you have to keep making sure that month over month you're doing better than the month before and so as my my own opinion of the contributing factors to failing businesses is not paying attention to the numbers and not focusing on how to keep your business going and really thinking too small in the sense of how do I start my business. Five years is a huge milestone, but 10 years, if you've, if you've been around for 10 years, you can really be confident and say, I made it 10 years. So that's what I, that's how I feel about it. Okay, that's great. Um, one of the things I would like to add to that is that um, when you're looking to start a business, you have to find an area, find out who the players are, collaborate with the players, but then dominate in your own sphere, if that makes sense. Secondly, it's very important to lead from your benefits. A lot of people, they lead from what their business um, does. Like they'll tell you when you ask somebody, who are you, what you do, they tell you what they do but they don't tell you how what you do can benefit them. So your product is really supposed to not just change someone's now, it should actually change their lives. So you go into business with the idea that you're serving. And when you're serving, then you'll make more money. You, it's, it's, um, you know, it's reciprocity comes back to you. So I think as Addie was mentioning, when you say that you're going into business, if you're just thinking I'm going into business just to make money, that's the wrong mindset and that's how you're gonna fail in the very first year, <laughs> right? Then you also have to create a culture. A lot of companies, if you look at Apple, they've created a culture. So they'll take a phone, change one button, sell the same phone back to you for more money and everybody buys it because they have a culture they've created a tribe and if you follow me i like to say your tribe dictates your vibe so that's very good so we're going to um ask miss courtney because i had a very interesting conversation with courtney um and the question to courtney is in one of our conversation, you mentioned that you and your husband started your first business out of frustration with his nine to five, right? Uh, <laughs> um, should entrepreneurs be discussing scalability in the very first year? Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because when we start our business, we don't often think about scalability. We're really excited about our idea and we just wanna grow, 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 but we don't think about how we're gonna manage that growth. And when Jameson and I were about three, whoops, sorry guys. When we were about, Okay, thank you. When we were about year three in our company, we were doing well over six figures, but we sat down in our kitchen table and we said, we want to get to seven figures. So in order to scale, you have to be fully intentional about getting where you want to be. It doesn't just happen out of happenstance. You don't just become a million dollar brand just by accident. It takes full intention. And so yes, you should start thinking about that very early on. You may not be at that road just yet, but it's good to put those things into place and forecast how much money do you want to make, but also what are going to be those future expenses when you do get those customers. You know, you might need more people on your team. You might need better software. You might need a better website. You might need more equipment and more trucks. And so we don't think about that per se. We are always thinking about the dollar, but absolutely scalability should be at the forefront of your business. Awesome, awesome. 
All right, so another way to scale, uh, segueing into the next uh, speaker, is making sure that you have security measures in place, not just for yourself, but for your clients, right? Um, there are several uh, security measures like Google Alerts and other things um, that we can use. So this question is going to go to Gianna. All right, so in recent times, we have seen an increase in the cyber crimes and other things that have happened. I don't know if you guys remember that in 2015, I believe, or 2017, um, Target had to pay over 47 states um, $18 million um, because of a uh, security breach. Now, Gianna, I want to ask you, should small businesses and sole proprietors be concerned about this at all? So the short answer is absolutely. Um, the problem is the, the small business and the sole proprietor is not Target. You don't have that $18 million to just pay out to, to put a Band-Aid on something. Right. And unfortunately, you're the low-hanging fruit. And with low-hanging fruit, you're the first to be targeted because you're the easiest to get to. And the impact of that is so much bigger than what it would be for a Target you jeopardize yourself with lawsuits, uh, brand loyalty, your customers are concerned, and, it, and the impact, and your revenue, the bottom line is, is impacted by that. So, yes. Should they be concerned? Absolutely. I think it's, it's, security is a multi-layered thing. So it's not, it's like having a home. You're gonna have the door, but you have to put a lock. And then sometimes you add the security system. They, it has to be, all-encompassing because for you it's a bigger impact than that of a larger corporation who can just throw money behind it to fix it. Uh, so so um, what could you suggest like one system that an entrepreneur can put in place to avoid breaches um, in their company? So we all know that there are there's Norton, there's Kaspersky, there's all of these things but it's more of a security mindset that needs to take place because this one tool is not going to be the be-all, end-all. Right. You can have an antivirus, but if you don't know what to do once it's detected that, that you've been compromised, then what's the point? So it's more so building up a better cyber awareness. Uh, like I call it like your cybersecurity hygiene, where you think about are your passwords complex enough? Are you making sure that you're maintaining patches and, and doing things that harden your system so that you're not vulnerable to certain things? Um, are you making sure that you're doing simple things like incremental backups? So if I, if, if some reason something is going wonky one time, at least it's not all of your data has been erased. It's just within the last week and then you have a starting point. It's just little things like that. If you have an environment that has multiple devices or you have a bring your own device environment and you have several employees, are they making making sure that they're doing what they need to do because every single device and every single person is an access vector for more vulnerability, so. Okay, great, great, great. Thank you for that. All right, so I know that, um, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of people start business out of frustration, right? They're tired of nine to five, they're you know tired of being in traffic, they're tired of their boss being on them and they feel like they have this calling so they go ahead and they start a business but one of the first mistakes in doing that is that most people when you're on a job you're doing one job 
But then when you start a business, now you're juggling. You're the accountant, you're the manager, you're the leader, you're the boss, you're everything. And one of the things is now you're working for yourself, but you're your worst boss. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about how can, how can entrepreneurs stop leading from um, abdication instead of delegation? Uh, this question is for you, Chanel. Um, most entrepreneurs, they know how to start a business and they may know how to create a product, but then they don't know how to manage their time. How would you coach someone, especially in the beauty, and beauty business, because that's where you are, how to start, but then how to scale after they start? No, <laughs> That's a great question. So something that I learned early on in my career when I was at FedEx was the four quadrants of time. And the four quadrants of time, meaning that some things are emergencies, that's your Q1. Things are the planning stage is your Q2. Your Q3 is normally your friends that are calling you and bugging you during the day, right? There are things that matter but don't need to be done right away. And then your Q4, I call it the Facebook scroll. It's not what I was taught in college, but, you know, that's what we do now in Q4. It's the things that really don't need to be happening. So for those of you that are starting, I always tell people to start with the Q4 and eliminate it. Eliminate those things where you feel like you've been working really hard in your business all day. I'm a social seller. All of my bread and butter is on Facebook. I live on social media. But so many times I have people that say, oh, I'm too busy to get back to my customers. I'm too busy to do this. And I was working really hard today. And in reality, it was the Facebook scroll, right? Or the Instagram scroll. And so start eliminating the things that don't need to get done and aren't important. And then the second part of that is then start to plan and prepare your time better so that you can avoid the emergency situations. And what I've found from coaching thousands of women in business is normally our emergency situations are family. It's, hey mom, I forgot the cleats at home. All of a sudden, your failure to plan is now my emergency, right? And so it's really about learning how to avoid that and live in that Q2 and that planning stage and also teaching your children, your husbands, your significant others how to plan their days better so that it's not bombarding you all day long and that you're able to really focus on your business every day. Okay, I want you to keep that mic because one of the points that we touched on earlier um, was branding. A lot of entrepreneurs, they get this mixed up and they believe that branding is a logo and a website. But branding is way more than that. Um, branding, I like to teach my clients about branding omnipresence. Um, that means it's more, it's bigger than your logo, it's bigger than your website. Your branding is actually not even what you think, it's what your people think about you. How do you make them feel? So branding is an experience, I like to tell them. It's a, it's an, it's a moment frozen in time, and we're not talking about Elsa. In other words, <laughs> in other words um, next year this time, maybe someone in this room will say, do you remember that time when we went to WEX and one of the panelists said so-and-so? That is branding. It's how 
you feel after you leave this event. And so what are some of the ways um, that entrepreneurs can have branding omnipresence? Because I know a lot of people talk about Facebook and, and, and Instagram, but it's way bigger than that because how many of you have ever seen like great brands on Facebook and Instagram, but then when you try to do business with the person, you're like, oh, Okay, that's what we're doing today. You know, <laughs> no follow through, yeah. no customer service, not keeping up with the brand promise, which is different from their brand message. It's two different things. Um, so how can entrepreneurs, apart from investing, because we know that's the biggest thing you have to invest, how can they make sure that they have brand omnipresence and that their promise is the same as their message? So first of all, I teach people to have people, you know, what do you want your people to feel all the time? Mm -hmm. Because everyone thinks it's a color. You can be in a color. You'll, you'll never see hot pink and not think of me ever again, right? <laughs> but the, the most important thing is bringing the social part to social media, but doing it in a meaningful way where you're using that access to thousands, millions of eyes every single day that could potentially be your ideal avatar that wants to buy your thing or wants to come to your class or wants to come to your retreat, wants to buy your tea. And understanding that real human connection on social media is going to take you so much further than thinking, you know, I'm going to automate this. I'm going to pay some supermodel to make, take a picture with this. And then we're gonna set it and forget it. And that's how I've been able to grow my brand to seven figures, over 100,000 followers across all platforms. Some people will go to my Instagram and be like, there's only 5,000 people there, right? But the, the fact is, is that my clients are spending money because I'm accessible and I'm bringing the human social part back to social media. And that's really what you should be using on social media is having fun, making those connections, realizing that she looks fabulous in black and maybe I need to, I got new black clothing in or something like that where you're really getting that human connection because right. I feel like that's what so many of us are craving even when we start our businesses. It's like, I, I want to go out there and connect with others and that's what drives us to us. So get back on social media, but you know, stop with the dog videos and actually connect with your clients <laughs> on social media. I like to call it soul essence, letting people know what the soul essence of your business is. If you put soul and essence together, it's like leaving your aroma um, when you enter a room. So whenever people do business with you, you should leave an aroma with them. Um, one of my mentors, and this is something I pass on to my, my, my clients that I teach, I talk about passion. And um, maybe some of you have the same mentor, and what we're taught is that passion means pass I on. What are you passing on from you to the people who come in contact with you? So that's very important because followers doesn't necessarily mean profit. No. A lot of people are, are, um, have a huge following, but they're not successful because followers don't pay your bills, you know? So you have to make sure that you're scaling so that you're making um, the money that you're looking to make. All right, so Courtney, I know you mentor and teach entrepreneurs <laughs> to find balance, right? You said that earlier. Right. Now, how, do you get, how did you get started aside from what you did with your husband? What kind of propelled you into that area of 
becoming an, a communicator and educator for other entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So it's always been my passion to give back to the community. And in starting our business, I know, you know, we were right out of college and I just had so many questions. I felt so inadequate, so unqualified. And I had just wished that there was somebody that could just take me by the hand and show me the way. And so understanding the frustrations that I went through, I can only imagine maybe there's someone out there who was just like me who could use help along their journey. And so that's kind of what spurred me into becoming an educator and helping people to get to where they want to be. And it really is a lot simpler than what we make it out to be. We tend to make things a lot more complicated than what they need to be. And I've learned that the, really the only thing you really need to do is just show up and just do it. You don't even have to be the best at it because most people aren't willing to do what the goal dictates you to do. But if you can show up, you're already 80% there. Um, so that's where I kind of got the inspiration to do that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's talk about responsible leadership and management. Again, we're talking about scaling your business, so all of these are important um, points. Um, you know you can't, you can't take people where you've never been. And one of the things that sometimes we, we get confused with is the difference with a leader and a manager. Mm. And so sometimes you have people who, who are great at managing stuff, and we're trying to put them into leadership um, um, roles. And again, there are different types of leaders. So one of the things that we must identify is what kind of leader am I? Am I um, democratic? Am I a coercive leader? Am I, you know, you have to find out the kind of leader you are because the kind of leader you are attract the people that you're supposed to serve. So my question to Adi, I'll give Adi this one. How can women leaders identify growth opportunities in a male-driven world? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I have to be fully honest. I've never personally felt that being a woman is um, in some way, um, sorry, word Challenge. in English. Yeah, I've never felt like it was a handicap ever. Right. Because I actually feel that women are more in touch with emotions, in touch with senses. We're very observant and aware human beings in general. But what I have seen for myself is that the male-driven industry, they're, very, they're able to actually be very clear and not put their emotions into it, right? So as women, you have to know when to put your emotions into the game when it's appropriate and when to say, this is business, I need to think analytically and I don't need to put my emotions, whether it's with an employee, whether it's with a client, you have to be professional. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that we need to always use our emotions when we need them and be logical when we need to do that as well. Does that make sense? So it doesn't mean, I, I get a lot of questions from women like, well, is it not okay to be emotional? Of course it's okay to have emotions and to feel things and to be who you are. But you also have to say, does this emotion match the situation that I'm in? Is it going to serve me or serve the customer or serve my client in this scenario? I think that there is a ton of opportunity for women because the struggles that we come through, because we have to be mothers, because of the multiple roles we have to wear. I think that that actually gives us a leg up on men a lot of the time. Just that's my own personal opinion there. <laughs> Great. All right. So we know that everything, all of this that we're discussing cannot be possible if you don't have the right mind. 
the right mindset, the right vision. Um, so having a clear and, and contrite mind is very important because who you are eventually on the inside will come out in your business. If you're disorganized, it's going to show in your business. If you're emotional, it's going to show in your business. So um, my question, and this is probably to everyone as we wrap, um, how, would you, how would you coach a client that comes to you that wants to uh, scale their business? How would you help them to identify what their pain point is before identifying another person's pain point. Because if we can't take people where we've never been, we first have to make sure that we are healed, that we have the right, right mindset and the right heart, that we understand that business is about serving, that we understand that it's not about chasing money, but as you serve, money will chase you. Um, how, would you how would you coach someone to get to that mindset? What would you say to them? Starting, yes. <laughs> You know, I would say that you need to be able to be responsible and accountable for anything that you ask your employees or people around you to do. So if you're not willing to do it yourself and to show up, even when times are really tough, then you can't ask that of your peers. You can't ask that of your coworkers. And you need to be able to be bootstrapped and you need to be scrappy and you need to hustle. And that, and it's, you don't need to complain about those things because all of us are going through it. So every time if you catch yourself complaining or feeling down, you need to say, hey, this is not going to get me any closer to my goal or to what I'm trying to do. And you need to put responsibility first. That's, what, that's always what I say to myself if I'm ever feeling down is that I need to be a responsible leader. I need to prove it to myself and prove it to the people around me. So being that mindset is probably 80% of the motivator behind anything you do, I think it's important to know that what makes you uncomfortable is probably the best thing for you sometimes. It's, it's feeling fear, pushing through anyway, because if you aren't feeling the fear, there's no growth taking place. And I think if also, too, as women, we tend to focus on what we can't do. And instead of just saying, hey, this is my strength. This is what comes to me naturally. Let me, let me push forward in that way. It's kind of like having your least dominant hand and you're going to practice. Like, I'm going to write my name with this hand. Why? Go with the one that flows the best because that's how you're going to show up. That's how you lead. That's how you own that space. And I think if you want to inspire and encourage others, you have to start with you. So recognizing that it's all in your head. If you see it, if you do it, if you can manifest it, then it shall be so. Mm -hmm. Yay. <laughs> so I think mindset and what I teach my clients is if your mind isn't right, your business will never be right. And I think that's a, a story that we could talk about all day on. But I think the biggest part that I see when I'm dealing with my clients is that women deal with a lot of baggage that we suppress and we bury deep down inside and we are supposed to be vulnerable, but we push it down because now we're a boss and we're all of these things. And so the first thing is to deal with the ick is what I call it. Deal with all of those things. Let them come out because once you're able to unpack your baggage, you're able to show up for your clients, your team in such a bigger way for your brand on social media in, in any aspect of what you're trying to do in, in such a bigger way. 
The other part of the mindset that I coach clients on every single day is the worthiness and the understanding that one woman can change everything. And that when women come together and we collaborate over competing with each other, that we can move mountains so much faster. So I hope that if you guys get nothing else, thank you, is, is really understanding that these are my sisters. They are not my competitors. They are people that I will reach out to and collaborate with and want to do more business with. But you have to change that mindset of thinking that this person can't know all the goods because they're going to beat you. I hope they do. Right? I hope they do. So that, that's what I have. All right. So with one. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> so when it comes to mindset, and I can remember when we first started our company, um, your mindset shifting is going to have to take place in order to get to where you want to be. You can't have that same mindset, that old from the past, in order to grow an empire. Um, but what I do encourage people when they're in the process of changing their mindset is to stick to who you are, never change who you are to your core. And that's going to be really, really important because as you do grow your your business, you're going to be meeting more people, you're going to be meeting more uh, entrepreneurs who are doing similar things to you, you're going to be growing and stretching, but never lose sight of yourself, because it can be very easy to lose yourself in your business, and then that's not okay either, right? Because we got to have health and wealth, not just the wealth. So we got to enjoy that, and in order to do that, we have to make sure that we're clear on who we are, embrace who you are, and just love who you are. Yep. Awesome. All right, so that's going to be it for us today. I like to tell people, find what works for you and repeat that. You don't have to reinvent something. Find what makes you successful and repeat that. Um, nothing grows in our comfort zone, so you have to become uncomfortable in order to see success. If you need to see any one of us, we'll be in the back of the room. My table is right there, and I'm glad that you guys got something. I did get something, so have a great evening. So thank you.